Hi there and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Kieran Thomas, and I wanna thank you so much for being here and being a proactive parent and getting the resources that you need to let your child live their most fulfilling and independent life possible. When my own son was diagnosed with autism, I was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies and there was nothing else that we could do for him but manage his symptoms the rest of his life. But I didn't wanna do that. Fortunately, my background in craniosacral therapy Look, now 30 years, let me know that the brain can and does heal, but I didn't know that much about autism. What I did know is that I didn't want to just mask the symptoms with dangerous drugs. I wanted to find the causes and work with them naturally. And fast forward, it took me a decade and a lot of time and effort, but today my son is no longer diagnosable with autism after being told it could not happen. So I'm here to share with you valuable resources to save you the time and some of the expense that I had to spend to figure it out and to help you let your child lead to their best results possible. Every child's level of recovery is different, but we know that children who couldn't sleep through the night are sleeping now through the night and happily. Their immune systems are now strong where they were once sick all the time. Children who were nonverbal and their parents were told they could never speak are now speaking. Children who were getting D's and F's in school are getting A's and B's. And those that were so anxious all the time and couldn't sit still and, and were uncomfortable in their own bodies are now calm and happy and relaxed. And they're leading fulfilling and independent lives with friends. This is what we want for our kids. So I'm here to share the resources with you so that you can get the best results for your child the best possible. And you can start that right now with my free download of this top seven foods to eliminate beginning today of the top foods that are the most inflammatory and toxic that are contributing to those physical and behavioral symptoms of autism that your child is having. They're making his life uncomfortable. So you can get that right now at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash seven foods and feel free to share that with anybody you know who would be interested. And I will also link to it in today's show notes. There's of course a lot more than diet, but this is something you could start doing today that will begin to reduce those symptoms. And I'm happy to share everything I can with you. So right now, let's dive into today's episode. Does diet really matter? This is such a common question from, from parents and I get it a lot. And some people have already, many parents have already seen the, the enormous changes in their child's physical health and their behaviors. And they can say they're literally like night and day changes when they eat various foods and when they don't eat them. And then other parents who maybe this is new to you. And some people ask me all the time, even on Facebook, they'll say, this is ridiculous. Diet doesn't really make a difference, but it does. And I'm here to share with you a lot more about it today. So that you can have the knowledge and the understanding of really why. And one of the main pieces that we want to talk about today is gluten, because gluten is such a big issue uh, in our society with everyone, but it really, really affects children with autism. And I'd like to talk about how it can affect the brain and the behavior of a child, because I think when we have more knowledge and education around something then we tend to take it more seriously. We have almost a sense of, of responsibility. Um, and then some people don't want to learn about something so they don't have to make any changes. And yes, diet transitioning can be a tricky process. It, you know, your child's going to be addicted to some foods. And I'm going to talk about that a bit today. 
which can make this transition period a little challenging. So uh, it should always to be done really, you know, slowly if that's what you need to do, but we'll talk about why, and I'll give you some more resources with that today too. So one thing I want to refer back to is that many years ago, uh, gastrointestinal surgeon, Dr. Andrew Wakefield found that the greatest results in treating children with autism had come from the gluten-free and casein-free diet. Now, gluten is the protein in wheat and casein is the protein in dairy, especially cow's milk, if you're not familiar. So when he treated the inflammatory bowel disease, he found that the child's behavior improved, that sleep improved, and that there was actually an increase in communication. But today, due to bioengineering of crops and the increased need for gluten as a binder and the ever-growing demand for processed foods, gluten is no longer the same product it used to be. Like our grandparents could eat gluten and not be affected, usually depending on how old you are, not be affected by the food. But today it's so genetically modified that our bodies don't even know what to do with, with it when it comes in. The substance is seen as a complete foreign invader by the immune system, which then triggers the immune system to react by sending out antibodies to fight this invader. The end result is a cascade of inflammation and the release of dangerous chemicals called cytokines. Cytokines destroy brain cells and leave the brain far more vulnerable to future attack by other foods inflammation and any other environmental toxin. So it's rendering us more susceptible to other things. Children on the autism spectrum are exceptionally vulnerable to the dangers of gluten. Again, it's the protein in wheat and then casein the protein in dairy. Both will release something that's a natural opiate-like substance into the bloodstream. So if they if it gets through the blood-brain barrier, it can mimic the effects of morphine in the brain. So the opiates in casein and gluten are called exorphins, specifically gluteomorphins and caseomorphins. Their presence causes the same type of reaction in our children as the drug morphine might. So that spacey look that they might get before they eat, or just like a, a child or a person who's spacey coming off of a drug or in need of one, if they're addicted to it, uh, this is the same reason why your child can really be um, be noticeably uh, craving these foods. Like they'll say, I even asked one little girl was at our house years ago, a friend of my daughter's, and I said, you guys want something to eat? She said, yeah, bread. Like almost as if she had to have it like a fix. And this is really why, because she was addicted to that food. And um, I haven't seen her in a while. Hopefully she's not anymore. And her mother has this knowledge. But by you being here today, you're gaining this knowledge to help your child long-term. This is a lifelong uh, issue. And again, because our crops are so genetically modified, they have up to 90% more gluten in them than they used to because of the way that they're grown and the genetically modified seeds and grains that, you know, that they're regrowing the crops with. So this, you know, these all create this really spacey look again. It's um, it also creates an inability to focus and think properly. And there, these cravings are sadly, you know, part of what's going on in their brain. The protective blood brain barrier is rendered helpless to these kinds of effects and behavioral issues you might notice. And I'm going to go through a whole list of them here in a moment, but 
A couple of simple to look for is hyperactivity, mood disorders. Um, those are just basic common things to look for. But let's look first a little bit more about why. So one of the things, and I've done an entire podcast that I will link to uh, in the future or in the past uh, that I'll link to in today's show notes, was one on glyphosate and autism. Glyphosate is a chemical found in the weed killer known as Roundup. It's also sprayed on the food crops to dry them out when they're ready to harvest. It gets them out into the market faster and they can make more money faster. So they do this as quickly as they possibly can. But what happens is we're ingesting these harmful chemicals. They're sprayed on the foods that we're eating. Wheat crops are heavily sprayed with glyphosate. And so the chemical damages the gut lining. It's known to cause non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and a lot, lot more. There, there are a lot of problems with this, this, uh, this chemical. And again, it's, it's deteriorating the gut lining further. So besides changing their diet and working with maybe candida overgrowth and other things that we'll talk about here in a minute, you're getting leaky gut syndrome. And what happens when gluten enters the digestive tract, the immune system reacts by sending out attack cells to fight what it recognizes as a foreign substance. Now, the result from this interaction is a damaged gut lining, also known as leaky gut. The damage in the lining of the intestines allows foods passing through to be released undigested into the bloodstream. There, they create an allergic reaction, causing more inflammation in many organs, including the brain. And it is a basis also for autoimmune diseases. And that means the immune system starts attacking itself because it's overactive. It'll start attacking its own tissues. And this is, can be really, really dangerous. Gluten, by reducing the immune system's ability to fight, also creates reduced levels of glutathione, which is the body's master antioxidant, as well as vitamin C, E, and some other antioxidants. They're really important in protecting our bodies. The body kicks in a high number of antibodies to fight what it sees as foreign proteins or gluten. And this is when those nasty genes are turned on. Now, a gene is just a part of a blueprint. We're all born with them, but a gene has to be triggered negatively by something to alter it. And this is what can happen when these antibodies start fighting these foreign proteins to gluten and these, these bad genes can get turned on or a gene can get mutated. When the protein gluten combines with these antibodies, it triggers genes or DNA, and it turns them into what we we'll call bad genes. This changing of genes by environmental factors or trauma is called epigenetics. And new mutated genes are in the, are in the system wreaking havoc and are in the genetic makeup to be passed on to future offspring. We can actually pass these on our children, our grandchildren, they, they're, they're passed on from generation to generation. This is commonly seen in people with autism. These issues of neurological imbalance can occur with any sign of digestive disturbance. In fact, it's estimated that 99% of people adversely affected by gluten sensitivity are not even aware of it. As much as 30% of the Western population may have gluten sensitivity, and many have no signs of digestive disturbance at all but the nervous system is still being attacked. So some of the symptoms that you wanna look for in yourself or your child are epilepsy, headaches, stomach aches, 
skin rashes, eczema, anxiety, depression, hyperactivity, muscle and motor control issues, vertigo, neurological problems such as cognitive decline, a lack of focus, early dementia, autism, ADHD, Alzheimer's, damage to these, the DNA, the genes. Also, thyroid disorders are very, very common. Uh, gluten allergies are commonly related to type 1 diabetes. And also, it's important to know that Lyme disease causes sensitivities to gluten. So again, we're, you know, as I like to work with all causes, we want to make sure that, that, that mold and Lyme are both affected or taken care of and naturally and safely, as we do in my mentoring program. The mold biotoxins create an intolerance to carbohydrates, gluten, dairy, and sugar, and can really, really affect the gut. And I'll link to some past uh, episodes that I've done on both of those in our show notes. And today's show notes will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 138. So always watch for symptoms in your child whenever eating any new food or after eating out. Gluten containing grains and starches include things like Wheat and wheat germ and barley and rye, spelt, kamut, bulgar, uh, couscous, farina, semolina. Some gluten-free grains, although they can be higher in carbohydrates, so it doesn't necessarily make them a really healthy food, um, but uh, quinoa, rice, tapioca, potato, teff, millet, corn, amaranth, arrowroot, and buckwheat. And again, notice note that especially when you're purchasing anything, although these grains are, are gluten-free, they will still cause a spike in insulin or blood sugar levels and can lead to inflammation. And they also turn to sugar in the body, which feeds candida or yeast organisms. And when our children, especially children with autism, have an overgrowth of candida, which is very common, this severely disrupts the gut, even bores holes in it and creating more leaky gut. So it's best to minimize all grains together. And I have done some uh, posts and uh, podcasts in the past on how blood sugar and the brain are affected. And I'm going to give you some gluten-free resources as well, because there is a way around this. I know that, you know, especially things like holidays and birthdays, you're thinking, what can I do? But you can substitute coconut flour or almond flour, which are healthy versions that can be changed and substituted in any recipe one-to-one ratio for uh, a a recipe that calls for wheat flour. Because you do want to be careful of gluten-free resources because they will often have a lot of those really bad carbohydrates like tapioca flour and potato flour and rice flour, which are, you know, just carbohydrates again, that are going to turn to sugar in your child's body. So they're really not healthy foods. Um, That's why I like almond flour and coconut flour kind of in, in a sense, when in doubt, you know, you can use the word keto to type in Google to, to find different uh, recipes for things. And they're, they're usually using either almond flour or coconut flour. Again, you don't want to be adding sugar. Uh, I like to add monk fruit when I bake, uh, monk fruit and stevia, natural stevia without fillers. Those are the two safe, uh, uh sugar alternatives that you could utilize as well. Always, always read your labels. Gluten is in cereals, cold cut meats, energy bars, cakes, cookies, crackers, pasta, of course, but it's also in sauces and gravies, soy sauce, a lot of salad dressings have it. Most refined carbohydrate foods have them. 
And this, the spike in insulin or blood glucose levels from eating these foods and yet another trigger are another trigger for neurological damage. And especially if they contain wheat. So you're really, really harming the brain as much as the gut and other systems of the body and the immune system when you're eating these foods. Uh, wheat bread affects blood sugar levels the same way as table sugar does. And notice the word gluten is from the word, they, that's where the word glue has been derived from. It is a glue that literally holds together processed foods. It's also hidden in many unsuspecting items. Now your child might be playing with Play-Doh at school or at home. Play-Doh, uh, the, the traditional uh, on the market Play-Doh uh, will have gluten in it. So read your labels, shampoos, soaps, lotions, a lot of cosmetics, vitamins, medications, uh, other condiments and seasonings and beans and things like that will all contain them. If, uh, if you have a beer drinker in the family, uh, beer is made with, uh, with those barley hops and the, you know, it's basically a gluten food that you're eating. So beware of that. Beware of any ingredients that say hydrolyze or maltodextrin as well, just because they're not healthy foods. Cross-contamination in restaurants and kitchens is really, really common. And other manufacturing facilities as well. The label should list that the product is made in a facility that also carries wheat. So it should say that they'll say also contains soy or wheat or manufactured in a building that it, that sources wheat uh, products. So you'll know that there could be some cross contamination, and it depends on the level of sensitivity. But a lot of people are very very sensitive to this today. Unless it says gluten-free, then it isn't guaranteed. And even if it says gluten-free, you have to be careful. Our crops are heavily sprayed, again, like I said, with glyphosate, and there's a lot of cross-contamination. Uh, these crops, one might be, a wheat crop might be planted right next to an oat crop. So you think oats are gluten-free, but the cross-contamination now has blown over into the oat crop. And so unless an oat says specifically gluten-free on the label, then it's really not. And even then I would still watch your child for symptoms uh, as well, you know, and of course the people in my mentoring program know I'm big on, you know, staying away from bad carbohydrates anyway. I mean, oats are going to be feeding, uh, they're, they're, they're a processed carbohydrate, just like rice. It's going to turn to sugar in the body. It's going to feed that bad bacteria that we're trying to get rid of. So um, it's much healthier just to eat better overall. And there, I have a free food guide that the top seven foods to eliminate. And in that guide, it also explains to you why you don't want to eat those foods or what the, what they're, what the harm in them is the inflammation or the other things that they can do. So please grab that at naturally recovering forward slash seven foods. And I will also link to it in today's show notes for you. And again, this diet is a transition. I know your child is addicted as we've already talked about a couple of the reasons why. So it takes some time to start slowly removing the foods that your child is might some, for some parents, they'll say that's Karen, that's all my child eats because yeah, they're addicted to them. And so is the bad bacteria in their gut that candida craves it because candida lives off of sugar. So you've got multiple reasons why you don't want to be eating these foods. And again, I'm here to educate you as to why, because then you have more knowledge and sometimes people just take it more seriously. 
they, they, some, you know, especially if you've got a spouse or a family member, you think, yeah, it's probably okay if they have some, and then your child just, you know, goes off the rails with their behaviors and nobody can figure out why, or somebody thinks, well, I didn't know it would matter that much, but it can. Um, and it can build up in the system, become cumulative, and it does take some time to get out of the system as well. Besides staying away from the products and the foods that contain them, there, there is an enzyme that can help. Again, this is while you're transitioning. Uh, the enzyme called DPP4 helps with the breakdown of proteins, of the proteins of gluten and casein. So it's really helpful to um, maybe as you're transitioning to be able to to take some of this en enzyme with foods and just give it to your child or yourself and be able to help remove some, uh, break down some of this gluten and casein in the system. Uh, I've, I'm going to link to one because there's one called Trienza from Houston Enzymes that is extremely high quality and has uh, is, is specifically the DPP4 in it is specifically to break down those gluteomorphins and caseomorphins. There's also a probiotic that is uh, specifically developed with gluten and casein for gluten and casein intolerance. It's called HLC MindLinks, and it contains specific strains that will are proven to, in scientific trials to degrade wheat and dairy exorphins, and they attach and colonize to intestinal epithelial cells. Lactobacillus crispatus and lactobacillus rhamnosus are, are known to do that. And this company, Pharmax, makes a product called MindLinks that is specifically made to, uh, to, to do these things for you. And it's, it helps to get those opiates out of the system. And again, during transition can be helpful, but you might get some die-off. So I'm just cautioning because when I throw out a supplement in a podcast or blog post like this, I like to make sure you understand uh, if you're not in my mentoring program, you really want to make sure that you will take things very, start things very slowly, like about half, half of the, the dosage, even a quarter of the dosage at first, because you might get some die off, which means that the bad bacteria are dying off, which is good. That's what you want but that can cause more toxic backup, which then creates uh, heightened behavior. So start things slowly. Um, I will link to both of those products in the show notes again uh, for you today. Um, testing for gluten sensitivity. So the body sees food as an allergy. When the immune system gets triggered to release histamine, and when there's a true allergy to a food, the body will create antibodies toward it but often a test will have negative, negative results for different reasons. For example, gluten binds to tissues such as in the colon. So a blood test could easily come up negative or an antibody for another substance may not show up in the particular blood test. This also does not mean that your child does not have an intolerance to that food. For this reason, if you get a negative result on a test, do not assume your child does not have a sensitivity to it. Now, food intolerances can create the same symptoms as, as an allergy. So you're going to see, you know, a lot of these symptoms we talked about, these heightened behaviors, these physical or emotional behavior issues. The best way, honestly, to save yourself the time and the money of a test and to know whether or not your child has an allergy to a, or a sensitivity 
is to simply remove the food from their diet for a few weeks and see if you notice a difference in their behavior or in their physiology and their gut, do their you know, stomach aches and their bowel movements, all of these things. Often a difference can be noticed in days or within a week or two, but know that clearing a substance from the body can take up to three months for some symptoms to subside. So you've got to be patient and keep forging forward and know that it does take time. Since the symptoms for gluten and casein sensitivities are much like those of candida and yeast overgrowth, it's best to remove again all of these potential allergens from your child's diet, which will also help to eliminate the candida overgrowth, as I mentioned. So again, my free guide, my free seven food guide to eliminate these foods is available for you. Um, again, I've, I've given the link and I will uh, link to it in the show notes for you again, make sure that you get it. And just to start to transition your child slowly today and just eliminating, giving them less and less of the bad foods and trying to get more of the healthier foods into them. You know, anything that doesn't feed candida is healthy as well. You know, you want to have organic poultry, grass fed and finished beef, line caught fish, um, eggs is, uh, are, are a good food as well. Uh, a little bit of, of vegetables, you know, we got to be careful with fiber at first with our kids because their digestion is sensitive. Uh, so they might have a hard time digesting fiber, fiber is good. Um, in small amounts, again, cruciferous vegetables, and then good fats like coconut oil, olive oil, and avocado can be good but you do want to eliminate the bad fats, you know, these vegetable oils and canola oil and soy and all of these things, those are bad fats, which need to be eliminated from the diet too. So again, I wanted to go back to just noting that the change in diet will cause likely cause a lot of the candida to start dying off, which again is a good thing. But as this happens, you might likely notice physical and behavioral issues that arise in your child transitioning the diet to eliminate the bad foods is a very slow process for some people. And because of the opiate addiction it's, is there, it makes it a little bit more challenging, but you know now what's going on. So take your time, slowly remove the foods. And, uh, and over time, as their gut begins to heal, the picky eating does get better. There are also some actual tests that you can do, and I'll just give you some in case you're, you know, somebody who says, I really want to test. Well, one of them is from diagnostics and there's a saliva test, which makes it a lot easier. And it's actually for adrenal fatigue and it gives, but it also gives you the level of your body's reaction to gluten. And most natural practitioners will carry this test in their office for you if you mention it. Um, that you take it home and you do it from home. The saliva is collected at four different time increments during the day. And this is really important because we don't release all the same things at different parts of the day. If you only do one, a single blood test or a single saliva test or something like that, you're only getting what your body's releasing at that moment. So it's very important to understand that. So you do this at home, you mail a lab, you mail it into the lab yourself, and then you wait for the results to come back to your practitioner. And then they tell you what they are. So that might be the easiest one for you. Um, and then you also know about the adrenal fatigue that's again, very likely going on for your child because our children with autism often have that as do us as parents, you know, the stress level can be extreme. 
But when we have toxic overload and inflammation going on in the body all the time, it's very hard on our system. So the liver's overworking, it's taxing the adrenals that are stressed out all the time from, from having to be overworked. So that can then weaken the adrenal glands. And then that causes, then it's this, this domino effect. Then we've got thyroid issues. So uh, it's really important to understand too, you know, thyroid issues are again, because of the things I just mentioned, are part of a, a gluten sensitivity. You know, it can cause problems with the thyroid if you have gluten sensitivities and your body's reacting to it. Uh, there is a stool test. Um, one of the more accurate ones that if you were to do, of course, much more accurate than blood, um, because in anything that the, when the stool sits in the colon, it, it absorbs the tissues from the colon. So the gluten will bind to the wall of the large intestine, which helps to give you some, uh, some tissues there to work with in the stool sample. Um, there's a company called Interolab that has these tests for these allergens uh, and you can take them home. Uh, they can be ordered online. I'll link to that as well. Uh, also natural allergy desensitization is a simple way to test and remove aller allergic reactions to your body um, that you may, that your body may be having to gluten. Now, it's best to try and work to clear this out as much as possible with, with food changes, but then sometimes our body will remain, re, continue reacting to something that we're not even, it's not even being exposed to anymore. It will have like this ongoing sort of trigger. So natural allergy elimination uh, can be really helpful. And I will link to that in my show notes. I've done a couple of episodes on that in the past, um, and you can learn more about it. Um, and then I've also got some healthier holiday eating strategies for you because, you know, I, I wanted to link to, well, what can you do, especially, you know, birthdays or holidays, you know, there are some great keto cookbooks and I will link to them. There are some gluten-free websites, but most websites or many of them these days will have uh, gluten-free resources most health food stores, even most mainstream grocery stores, as you've probably noticed, have gluten-free sections in them. So it's much easier to find, find gluten-free foods. Just beware of some of those bad carbs that they throw into them, um, you know, as replacements. Um, I'm going to give you some, you know, again, this is some keto cookbooks, some gluten-free recipes, a couple of things that you could do. Again, you can always substitute with any recipe a one-to-one -one ratio for, uh, if it says it calls for say a, a cup of wheat flour in the recipe, then you can use a cup of either almond flour or coconut flour and substitute it uh, just like that. The same with sugar for monk fruit, you can substitute it. Same thing, a one-to-one -one ratio, it's a half cup of sugar, then you can use a half cup of monk fruit. So those things can be helpful for you, uh, especially right now, you know, as, uh, as we merge into the holidays, but anytime it's important to understand that there are many foods that are big triggers for your child for inflammation, not only in the gut, but in the brain, you know, realize when the gut is not working well, and when it's getting inflamed, we're creating more availability for leaky gut because we are weakening the intestinal walls. The inflammation isn't just in the gut, it's in the brain. We're taxing the adrenal system. It's important to understand how this can affect your child's ability to think clearly, 
uh, communicate, even speech is affected. I've had parents tell me their child's speech improved pretty quickly after they changed the diet. It varies for everybody, but that is definitely something that I hear commonly. It helps sleep. Uh, there are so many things and uh, and helps calming. Now, of course, there's more to do with you know, the best results for, you know, what you can do for a child with autism, because there's toxins that we want to eliminate co-infections. And I've done other uh, uh, resources on that in the past, other podcasts that I will link to in the show notes, but diet is the very, very first step. And it's very important that you take it seriously. Um, and a lot of parents will say, well, Karen, I, I'm trying my hardest. And as I move forward, like doing other things, we're doing detoxification and other things is that still going to be beneficial? And yes, it is. Um, just do your very best as you can with the diet. And I'm hoping that now that you have this extended knowledge and education around why it's so important to eliminate those other foods, that uh, that you will, you know, it'll maybe help to, to give you a little bit more incentive to follow through with it or to work with it and know the differences that it makes. And I know it can be hard at first when your child gets really behavioral and they're screaming in tantrums for their food. We've also talked about PANS, which is pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric syndrome. It is basically um, when your child gets really OCD or really clingy, it's basically the immune system attacking the brain, but OCD, heavy, strong OCD is one of the clear symptoms of PANS. And what happens is that that OCD can also be a focus on their foods. They want their foods a certain way. They want just what they eat and they don't want to change that. So knowing again, that as your child's diet gets better and you maybe have some good supplements to help, you've got the start to heal the, the leaky gut and heal the gut up. And again, I'll link to PANS and a PANS episode I did in the past. As you work with PANS, which we do in my mentoring program, um, I wanted to make sure that you understand that, you know, when the OCD calms down, that can also help uh, with uh, the picky eating as well. So um, get the chef seven foods guide, as I mentioned, naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash seven foods. And uh, it's again, just the number seven and foods with no spaces in between. I will link to it on today's show notes, which will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 138. I hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for being here and being such a great parent. And I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener to our podcast. We have just reached over 50,000 downloads. And I'm really excited about that because it means that we are reaching people who need the resources that we share. And I, I strive to help you as much as I can and, and will continue to do so moving forward. So again, thank you for your loyal, being a loyal listener. And don't forget to please share our podcast with other people that you know who could utilize the resources as well. Uh, thanks again for being here. And uh, my website to go to if you need is naturallyrecoveringautism.com. And we post all podcasts on a blog post there, which also gives the links to any valuable resources that we discuss in each podcast. So make sure you utilize those pages too. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.